0: We are back. The three D podcast is back, and much like the fact that we're back, the NFL's back. So I know my boy Wayne is happy, and he just told me his predicted record for his
1: Pittsburgh Steeler. Go ahead and tell the people, Wayne. Hey, predicted record right here. We're going 11-5. You heard it here first. And the standout or
0: uh, surprise player from the roster this year is going to be... Deontay Johnson. I have no idea who that is. but He's our, he's our wide receiver number two, right behind Juju. Dude just okay. Cut. So oh. is Juju or Deontay going to have a better season?
1: Ooh, I'm going to say Deontay. Wow.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And as per usual, like we said before the podcast, the Houston Texans, my team will remain mediocre, much like my Houston Rockets, baby. <laughs> hey, hey, mediocre squad. <laughs> <laughs> this is Houston sports. Who, who are we kidding at this point?
1: That's tough, man. I'm sorry.
0: Let's, let's get into it, though, because we got a lot to talk about. A lot has happened within the past. I don't know. Uh, last since we last spoke last week, so um, we got two teams that have advanced to the conference finals, and two teams that are still, uh, or four teams, I guess, still hanging by a thread. Do you want to start with the Eastern Conference, or do you want to start with the Western Conference, Wayne? No, let's get the East. Let's get the East out of the way. All right. So, I mean, that's probably been the more exciting conference, but only because of one series, and that would be the Raptors and Celtics. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let, let's start with the Bucks and the Heat, uh, because that one certainly seemed to be quite the surprise. And I, and I know we talked about it a little bit last week, but the Bucs just really dropped off, and it didn't help them that in Game 5 – uh, they didn't have Giannis because he ended up rolling his ankle again. But what were your thoughts on the series, and I guess just your thoughts on the Bucks because they're really in no man's land at this point.
1: Yo, first off, Giannis, <laughs> dude, he's gonna have to add something to his game because right now it's 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 getting easier and easier to stop him. We saw it with the with the Raptors last season and how they were able to contain Giannis. And pretty much, like, just render him completely useless um, throughout the series. And then we saw it again in this series where, I mean, not even Giannis was, like, just bad. But, like, the team around him, they just weren't firing on all cylinders. And so that was just a really tough series to even, like, look at. Even on paper or even, like, in an app. Like, you go on the ESPN app and look at the stats. Like, it was just really tough to just sit there and look at that. Like, bro, what the heck? We had some like such high hopes for this uh for this Bucks team to make it to the final. Like I had them winning the whole thing. Yeah. And then they just went out and just got pooped on by Jimmy Butler and them boys. So
0: does so. does Giannis really need to add to his game or does do they need a piece that's complementary towards him where he can just still do what he does while having another piece that uh maybe replaces his flaws a bit better?
1: It depends. If he stays in Milwaukee, I feel like he needs to add something to his game.
0: Which if he's, if he's going to, I would assume the main reason he's going to stay there is because who would turn down like a $250 million super max Supermax contract at this point in their career? Especially, I mean, you saw those injuries towards the tail end of that series. You might as well cash in while you still can or at least do one of those one plus one deals like you see Katie and LeBron doing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if he's gonna stay there, you're right. He's he's gonna have to add something himself because beyond him, they're pretty much strapped financially. I mean, Eric Bledsoe's which by the way is a horrible contract. If they need to move on from anybody, it's probably him. Um, yeah, they're strapped financially with him, Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez. I figure they'll probably run it back. Um as much as people are wanting them to kind of do something really drastic, I don't think we're going to see anything uh, crazy other than maybe a couple minor moves. And, and I don't know, is, is Mike Bootenholzer staying or is he pretty much just a regular season coach who looks great? You know, he was with the Hawks and uh, took them to, I think the conference finals and had five all-stars on that team, but really didn't do anything in the playoffs. And we're kind of seeing the same thing here with the Bucks too.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't think they should blow the team up. Giannis, of course, he's going to want that money. So I'm saying if he if he's staying in Milwaukee, he needs to develop just one more part of his game. I mean, of course, you can go out and you can get a piece um, to kind of help him. And like you said, in the with his flaws or whatever, like where he's lacking, someone else can come and, like, be that for him. But I feel like in situations like – like, especially like this, when you're in the playoffs <clears> – <throat> and you're just getting completely shut down or you're not producing the same amount of numbers that you're usually doing, there has to be something else that you can do to kind of level the playing field, you know? And so if I feel like he develops, like, let's say he starts developing a three-point shot. I mean, he did, but he doesn't use it as much as he could. Was it you that
0: posted that one video uh, or, or liked a video on Twitter, and it was like Giannis's first two or three years in Milwaukee and his shot looked completely different than how it does now. Like it was a really fluid looking mm-hmm. form and something happened, I guess, midway through his career where his mechanics are just totally off now than before.
1: I don't know if that was me, but I I, I wouldn't put it past me to like something like that. I mean, it, it, it looks totally, it looks totally different from his first few years. I, I don't,
0: I feel like there's so much emphasis now on like trainers, like uh, putting in work into guys shot and changing their form and doing this and doing that to where you would think too, like players can start to overthink it and Mm -hmm. overanalyze their shot to where it just starts to get to their their mental. And and, and we know, you know, the mental part of the game is half the battle.
1: Yeah. Um, It really is. So I, I'd say add something to your, to your game make people respect you make people respect another part of your game that way it opens up the basic level of what you can do which is two-step one dribble dunk you know that's the basic level of Giannis so if he can have people if he can develop something that can get people to, oh snap I gotta guard him at the three because he can shoot now then he can be like all right cool now you're all the way out here I can one one dribble two-step dunk on you from the three point line because now you're all the way up on me. So if he can develop something like that, that'd be good um, going into the next season. But I mean, I guess the easiest thing to do would be to like get a piece that could help him out in that area more efficiently. So that way, you know, he doesn't have to always drive in and have to, you know, get fouled or do all that extra stuff. He can like drive in and kick it to, I don't know, whoever on the three who's more of a knockdown three point shooter. And can help him out and be like that Robin to his Batman. So,
0: you mean like a Robin Lopez who's on his team? He can, maybe he can be the Robin. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, no, we won't do that. We won't go down that path. Uh, I think I saw this too. Somebody said the difference between these two teams in this series is that one star player being Jimmy Butler and then the other star player being Giannis, one guy has a respectable, at least, respectable jump shot to where you know you got to close out and a guy where you know he's going to make his free throws versus another guy who's probably going to shoot even 50% sometimes on his free throws some nights and where you know you can afford not to close out on him and I think that was the biggest difference in this in the series at least from a star perspective level was just if I think two two things that can be um, improved and, and you alluded to it like what's one thing he's got to get better at like dude just get better at your free throws because you know you're going to get whatever you want in the paint but you know you're going to get hacked too so some of the most easiest points and we see this with James Harden too get to the free throw line and, and you see that ball go through the hoop that really helps your your night and helps your mentality and we've seen this the past two years with Giannis that defenses are becoming smarter and smarter in game planning against what he usually does and when you neutralize him you pretty much neutralize the Bucs like you might have one you know great game for Chris Middleton game and and you know I think he went off for like 35 in game four or something and had that game winner and that's great but that's not sustainable and so I think the Bucs are going to have to figure out a way where he can not be neutralized and, and uh, expand his game. You know, it's funny too. We, I think we forget he's only like 24, 25 years old. I think we forget about that part about Giannis. Wait, what? (laughs) Yeah. He's not like, you know, he's not like 28 or 29, like in his prime, he's still like, we talk about other guys like Devin Booker and, and, you know, uh, Jason Tatum and, and all these guys who are like 23, 24. And we're like, man, they're so young, so much promise. They're going to do so much. And uh, Giannis is, you know, probably going to be the two-time MVP and one defensive player of the year this year. So I think we forget that part too.
1: Yeah, I completely forgot about that. I don't know why I'm just sitting here thinking. He's like, oh, dude, Giannis got to be close to 30. You know what I'm saying? Like he's got to be up there. You know, he looks like that. I don't know.
0: You know who would be great with him, a great pairing with him? I, I wouldn't ever see it happening, especially after this bubble scenario. But imagine Devin Booker pairing up with Giannis in Milwaukee. Talk about that one-two punch of having the scoring ability and guy and a guy who can take it off the dribble, plus Giannis's abilities. That would be that's lethal. That would be lethal. I don't I don't see that. You'd have to you'd have to package the those two players for each other. There's no way you can exchange like pair them together. So yeah. Uh, okay. What about the Miami Heat? I'm, I mean, there's this this group is just scrappy. Like they they take no prisoners. Mm-hmm. Uh, they all seem to have a chip on their shoulder. you got guys who can shoot the ball like Duncan Robinson. Jay Crowder was phenomenal from the three this series. Uh, you, you got great defenders who who can guard perimeter players like Jay Crowder and Andre Gudala. This team, and oh yeah, and Bam Adebayo, the, the first-time All-Star holding down the paint. Um, this group is, in an odd way, very scary because they have this unwavering confidence, but there's no expectation behind this team because nobody had them going to the conference finals this year.
1: Yeah, I I for sure didn't know that they were going to be like this, man. This team is nice. This team um, reminds me of, like, the teams that I like to watch when I play basketball or when I watch basketball. Even when I play basketball, like, I want to be like this Miami Heat team where it's just grit all day, every day and it don't stop, and it won't stop. So, can't stop, won't stop. This, can't stop, won't stop. Going into this series, I knew it was going to be an issue because <clears throat> the Miami Heat, I feel like they just all have that, like, Pat Bev or um, who's another just fierce guy? Uh, Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart, Montres Harold, that, like, I'm going to be in your face. Oh, that uh, Morris um, from the Clippers. Was it Mark, Markeith or Marcus? I don't know. Yeah, I,
0: I can never get their names correct, so I just call it Morris from the Clippers or Morris from the Lakers.
1: <laughs> yeah, one of those Morris twins. Um, <clears throat> And how they just got that, like, that dog in them all game. Like, and it doesn't matter who it is. They're going to attack you on both sides of the ball, and either you adjust and you kind of take them off of their game, or they're just about to run right over you with, like, sheer determination. So... Going into the series, I, I knew that was going to be an issue because I didn't see the Bucks kind of handling it that way. I just thought that they were just going to go out there, you know, play their, their style of basketball and just compete and win. And it turned out to not be that way. It turned out that Jimmy Butler and, like you said, Duncan Robinson just out there shooting the lights out. Um, who else was out there? Um, Bam out of uh, bio. I'm forgetting uh, who, who was out there. With- oh, um, oh, 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 um, Goron. Yeah, Drogic. My, how am I forgetting about Goran Drogic, bro? Dude, what the heck?
0: and how could we forget him? Because he's basically been – I feel like his career just in this bubble has been revived because of the play he's had. I mean, this dude's putting like – he's putting up
1: like 23 and 10. Yeah, man. You know who he reminded me of a little bit? Um, talking about the bubble reviving people. Uh, Mike Conley came into the bubble, and once this whole thing started – Dude, he was, he was putting up some good numbers too. And I was like, wow, this is a different Mike Connolly. I don't know um, who this is.
0: Something happens after people have babies because Mike <laughs> Connolly had his kid and he came back and he was playing great. And if you remember from last year when Toronto went to the championship, Fred Van Fleet wasn't really, you know, Freddie Van Fleet by that point. But mm-hmm. as soon as he had his kid, it's like something clicked and uh, the jump shot started going. I don't know. Maybe it's, you know, I... I I have a kid, obviously, Wayne, in those months or weeks leading up to the birth, you can get very anxious about everything because you know that things in the back of your mind. So everything you do from work to friendships or whatever, just starts to become like a little bit shaky or a little bit timid because you know, that's coming. So maybe just like the baby coming through just unlocks everything. Maybe, maybe more players should have babies <laughs> so that their career can be revived. You know, somebody call up, uh, <laughs> I don't know who's, Who's weak right now in the NBA that needs a revival? Maybe Giannis <laughs> needs to have another kid. I don't know.
1: Yo, could you imagine? Just like the whole – across the whole NBA, everybody hey, spe- got a kid.
0: Speaking of babies too, like can we just talk about the baby section real quick and the, the bubble because they've <laughs> officially have, I guess, family members invited to the games and you have – all these moms on the like eight moms on the sidelines each with a kid like all the <laughs> same age like it's the best thing i've seen it, it's oh, man. Yeah, i think it's better than actual fans because it's just so unintimidating and yeah. and you have like russell westbrook yelling at the yeah, sidelines I'm, at babies like what are you doing man who are you sca-?
1: you don't want to make babies cry like that he over there yelling cuss words at like kids they're like goo goo gaga like the heck? what's wrong with him bro really? <laughs> yeah. we got a little
0: sidetracked, but you were oh, you were snap. saying uh drajic has pretty much had a, a revival though to
1: his his uh play style yeah 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 drajic came in and said look i'm i'm back i'm here let's get it popping so i like that and going into whoever they play or like they're playing the um the celtics next which we'll talk about in a in a minute um dude that's going to be a good game i'm mean, getting good games good matchup it's going to be a lot of fun I the can't thing wait. that the thing that can't be measured on the stat sheet with this
0: team, but I don't think should go overlooked is that the heat just outplay you from an energy standpoint and an effort standpoint. Like you could see it on the bucks versus the heat, like the heat looked like they were in it, even if shots weren't falling or the rhythm was off, like they were still scrappy defensively and doing everything that they needed to do to make this happen. So, uh, you know, credit to them for, and they didn 't just they didn 't scrap you know till game seven with the bucks they took the bucks to five games and then it was it was over you know mm-hmm. it wasn 't a sweep, but it was i don 't know what do you call a a, a game five close out series? I feel like if you go to a gentleman sweep a gentlemans sweep so I was thinking about this last night too if you go to seven games, would it be considered a mop you know because uh-huh. like like a sweep would be a broom. But if you're mopping the floor, like it takes a little bit more effort and then you have to wait for it to dry. So it just you know it requires, you know, so if you go seven that. games and you win like the, the Celtics did last night, would you say you completed the mop? I'll take that. I'll, I'll I'll consider it the mop. I don't know if that'll catch on or not. But let's go ahead and hop into uh, who you mentioned a little bit earlier. You, you talked about the Celtics advancing. This series was, uh, the MOP series was was crazy because Toronto versus Celtics, look, Celtics jumped out to a 2-0 lead. We pretty much thought it was in the wraps. And then game three, OGN and OB comes out and uh, scores the game winner with 0.5 seconds left. And then pretty much past that point, we knew it was going to be a series. If if the Celtics won that game three, it was pretty much over. But the Raptors made a way, they won their next two, game five, the Celtics Uh, when that one, they go up three, two. And then game six is where it got really interesting. This is where we had that double overtime Mm -hmm. game. Just some crazy, ridiculous plays. I I didn't even get to watch the whole game, but I watched the highlights uh, later on. And (laughs) I have to say, I'm glad that that Nick Nurse not only feels the need to coach from the sidelines, but also play on the court. Because (laughs) you had that play down the stretch where Jason Tatum thought, Nick Nurse was one of the players on the floor and ended up turning the ball over because he passed it to, to Nick Nurse at the corner three. What if Nurse would have pulled up for three right there and just, you know, Yo, sealed the game for the Raptors?
1: Sign them, give them a contract.
0: Put them yeah, in but team. they, the the Celtics, you know, that, that game six was incredible. But really last night, you kind of knew this was going to be a, like a, a dogfight. It wasn't going to be a high-scoring game. It was going to be ugly. And look, for the Raptors, it was – pretty ugly and I just have to this is my one takeaway for the Raptors Wayne is we talk about Giannis needing to get better the the player for the Raptors that really needs to take a hard look at himself is Pascal Siakam yes sir I knew yeah I knew you were going to probably say that one too but he is uh man he is just he looks so uncertain out there like every time he would have the ball he I think he turned it over like five times he, he didn't have a great scoring night and the kind of the patented Siakam spin move and the paint to, you know, the kind of tornado move and get to the basket for a layup is just not really working. And then if his shot's not working too, this is kind of a mediocre player. And and maybe it is the fact that maybe he is a second or third option. Maybe he's not a number one option like like last year when he was the second tier behind Kawhi. But um, and then of course Lowry fouls out you know, the last minute of the, minute of the game, which I think really hurt them too. But uh, I think we got to give a lot of credit to the Celtics too, because Marcus Smart played incredible defense. Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown pretty much locked up Siakam for the mm-hmm. whole series. They they neutralized him. But Jason Tatum is a superstar and deserves all the respect for uh, closing this out in the game seven. I think he had like 20, 29 and 10 or something like that. And uh and made a way for th- for them to advance. So what were your thoughts on this series?
1: Uh no, I think you you nailed it, man. This series was just tough. It was hard fought. Um, we all thought it was gonna be over because the Celtics were just like running the tables and it was just like, you know what, go ahead and get the brooms out. because um, it's it's about that time. And then of course the Raptors came back and were like, oh, we ain't finished. So yeah, game seven, I watched I watched that game and it was like I, I wanted the Celtics to win because I just love Jason Tatum and I really want to see him just like elevate his level of playing. And I just, I want to see him continue playing. Um, but at the same time, like I wouldn't be mad if the Raptors won because like they are the they're the defending champs. They're coming back without Kawhi and they made it this far and they're like, you know what, we can do this without him. Like it doesn't have to be the Kawhi Leonard show. We can, we're still a team. We're still, you know, that championship caliber team that can come in and shake things up. It was so cer- I was like it was
0: certainly huh. like a, a Cinderella story kind of feel with the Raptors like you
1: wanted them to you know do good and kind of prove that they don't need Kawhi to win. Yeah. And so either way like I mean of course I want to see the Celtics win but like I wouldn't be mad if the Raptors won to move on to play the to the Heat. Um, for me I was really hoping to see the Celtics win so I could see like Jimmy Butler versus Jason Tatum kind of head to head matchup go off man, that, that's going to be like, uh, I, I can't, I can't wait for that. That's just chef's kiss. So, but,
0: so, so let's go there then. What do you, what do you think? So me personally, I think this is going to be a seven game series. Uh, I don't think it's oh, going to be sure. easy on either side because I, I think the the heat are scrappy and I, but I also think the Celtics are really scrappy too. And you got Marcus smart kind of leading the way with that attitude uh, to kind of galvanize those guys. So, uh, what is your prediction? Like, how many games and who is going to win the series to advance
1: to the finals? Yo, all right. So, at this point, I'm going to. It's tough. I say it goes, it's going to go six or seven. Um, if it goes six, it's going to be the Celtics winning it in six. But if it goes seven, it's going to be the Heat winning it in seven. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So, so
0: so why, why that though? Like, why do you think in a game seven, it's, it's more favored to the heat as opposed to,
1: you know, the game six. Oh, because like we said earlier, they got that dog in them. And when the, when everything's on the line, I'm going to take that dog in this fight over the, the, I guess the more technical side of things with the Celtics, how they have like Jason Tatum who can score. They have Kimba Walker who can, you know, like he has so many stuff, so much stuff in his bag. It's ridiculous. Uh, You have Jalen Brown who's doing all the, you know, the little things and he's getting his buckets. You have Daniel Tice who, Tice is nice, man. I'm telling y'all, Tice is nice, Tice is nice. Tice is nice, I like that. That was good. You have Wanamaker who's out there getting, you know, getting the scrappy plays, kind of looking like a little Pat Bev out there, kind of. And then Marcus Smart, like what the heck? Marcus Smart does everything. But even with all that, I'm going to take the team that says, no matter what y'all do, we're going to come out there and at least attempt to hit y'all in the mouth every possession and that's what the Heat are gonna do. They're gonna come out there, they're gonna they're gonna bully them. If it's a game seven, it's gonna be like, all right, we're gonna drop 80 points, but we're gonna make sure they drop 75, you know? Yeah. It's gonna be just straight up defense and and you know using the shot clock, taking time off, and just a really hard fought, gritty game that I think the Heat will win if it goes to seven. Because they just got that dog mentality. They don't want to lose. And it's gonna be
0: Yeah, so Wayne, we didn't really mention this the last series, but I think the problem for Toronto too was they didn't really have the alpha dog and the alpha dog for that series between the Celtics and the Raptors was Jason Tatum. And the reason that they won last year, you have a great group of guys who know how to play basketball with each other, but if you don't have the guy down the stretch and we kind of saw that in last night's game, it's, Mm -hmm. it's hard to win a series and so I, I look at that and I look at the heat in the Celtics series and go, okay, who has the bigger alpha dog? Um, and to me, it's, it's like I want to say Jimmy Butler, but I know Jason Tatum is more skilled than Jimmy Butler. Like Jimmy Butler has more dog in him, but uh, Jason Tatum has more skill than him. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to edge out skill over dog for this series Okay. Because I think there's going to be a healthy balance of both of those, but I think having Jason Tatum on your side is going to be a real big benefit, benefit, even if he is one of the youngest players out there uh, to to push the Celtics over. But I don't think it's going to be easy, and I think it's going to go to an, another seven games. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say uh, Celtics in seven games. All right, there it is. Well, but we'll see how it goes. I think they start what? I guess they start tomorrow because there's that. There's that gap in between you know, every game or every series, and the, the Heat have been waiting for them, so I guess it starts tomorrow. Yeah, they only get one day off. Yeah, that'll be exciting. Yeah. I love, so I love games on Sunday. Uh, I don't know what it is. Especially in the NBA, you don't get many games on Sunday. But mm-hmm. now we're competing with the NFL, too, so it's going to be, it's oh, gonna be you tough. You already
1: know where I'm going to be.
0: Hey, we got to manage on our that, time somehow. On uh, the couch. You fill me in on the NFL, and I'll fill you in on the NBA. How about that? All right, that's a bet. All right, let's move to the Western Conference. Uh, We'll start with – let's start with the Clippers' Nuggets. So we thought this one was pretty much going to be that gentleman's sweep that we thought. Mm -hmm. Uh, But last night, right before the Game 7 between the Raptors and the Celtics, the Nuggets managed to overcome a 16-point deficit in the fourth quarter and down the stretch ended up winning the game, I think, by about eight points or something to make this a 3-2 series, which makes it interesting. I still don't think it makes it uh, – I don't think it favors the Nuggets in any way still. I think – look, the Clippers are weird because they have these weird mental laps just all the time. And you know they're they're a team that could close it out at 3-1, but for some reason they either get into their own heads or they fall out of rhythm or they don't lock in mentally to really close up the game. Uh, but – you gotta credit the Nuggets too to stay alive. I mean, in the last series, the Nuggets came down from three-one against the Jazz, so maybe that's just their thing that they do. Maybe mm-hmm. it's like maybe the coach is like, "All right, game plan, y'all. I need you to lose uh, pretty much all your games up till three-one, and then let's really kick it into gear because that's when y'all <laughs> do best." I, I don't think that's his plan, but uh, you know, maybe maybe the, the Nuggets make this interesting. But I, Wayne, I don't really see this uh, becoming much more than uh, what was. What it was last night, I think that the Clippers end up closing it out tomorrow night. But uh, just give me your thoughts on that
1: game from last night and how you think this pans out. Um, okay, so I watched this game too. Um, and first half, Clippers came out and it was all hands on deck, we got to hit these shots, and it was ridiculous. They were like at some point 10, 10 for 15 from the field to the um, and then the uh, nuggets were, like, 2 of 11 or something like that. It was just, like, not looking good for the Nuggets at all. And so the first half, I mean, you had Pat Bev going off. You had Kawhi going off. You had Paul George doing his thing. You had um, Montrez coming in. Like pandemic the P. The first quarter. Go ahead. <laughs> I just, pandemic P. Pandemic P. Yeah, he came in. <laughs> he was trying to look like a playoff P. It all was right. all right, though. It was a good a good attempt. He had, like, 20 some points in that game. Um, and then, the so there's two things for me, that I saw in that game. And I think this is why the Clippers lost. Number one, at halftime, uh, they were, you know, doing the inside the huddle thing or whatever with Doc Rivers. And he was like, all right, we got to come back out. And we got to, you know, attack early. Uh, Like, really just establish, reestablish that dominance in, like, the first five minutes of the third quarter. And so we can get things going. Like, back, you know, because they already had a pretty good lead going into halftime. So we got to come back out with that same fire, that same intensity, and just, you know, basically put our foot on their neck to make sure they can't get up. And then they let Paul Millsap go off for like 15 points in the third quarter. And I was like, yeah. you." And Morris, he got in Millsap's face, and Millsap said, you know what, on second thought, I'm in the NBA. I got a contract. Let me show you what this contract does. (laughs) He dropped 15 on your head in one quarter. And then the other thing, Lou Will is too much. He's too worried about that copyright with the the Lemon Pepper Lou, <laughs> and not worried about playing basketball. Cause this man <laughs> has been a bro. Like this man has has been shooting this team into the ground, and which is crazy because we talk about Lou Will where like he comes off the bench, he brings that fire, and we haven't been seeing that fire. And I, that's what really put the Lakers in a hole. Because, I mean, they lost by, like you said, seven or eight. Lou Will, if he makes three shots, it's a whole different ballgame. So those are my two takeaways. They didn't come out with that same fire they had in the first half. And like you said, they had those mental lapses where, like, the first half they were, you know, making the open pass. They were moving the ball, swinging it, finding the better shot. And it seemed like everything was clicking. And then in the second half, it was just like, uh we don't know what the heck like it was like a bunch of siakams out there like we don't know what to do uh throw the ball throw the ball uh shot clock violation you know and then the the nuggets were just like all right and now we turn it up and we come back and we win yeah you think you
0: would think it's partially clippers let their guard down right and -hmm. then the other part of it is uh the the nuggets picked it up defensively too so it's like when you switch those two things i i Feel like it would swing in the favor of Nuggets, which it did. But who would have thought we would be talking about Paul Millsap in a game five? I mean, I forgot about this dude yeah. years ago. The Atlanta Hawks, Paul Millsap. I guess the real playoff P is Paul Millsap, baby. Playoff yeah. P. Forget Paul George. We got we got Paul Millsap in the joint right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, did you see the comments by MPJ Michael Michael uh, Porter Jr. after I game did. four? So I wanted to talk about this with you, and just to fill the listeners in on on what this was. This is a a, a rookie who looks pretty good in his first year, and kind of jumped into the starting rotation. Uh, come come bubble time, but after the after game four when they lost, he basically said like, "Yeah, uh, you know, Jokic is great, and and Jamal's great, but we got to find a way to get other players involved." And he, I guess, in that game, he had like 15 points in the first half, and then nothing after that and I guess you know you saw Damian Lillard on Twitter kind of be like what is this dude talking about and people getting Mm -hmm. upset with him Wayne fill the people in on why people got upset with his comments because some people might be confused like well he's just voicing his opinion and he was right and he was this and he was that fill people people in on why
1: people were actually upset so here's the thing there are certain things that you are feeling and that you want to say, but you don't say it to the media because when you say it to the media, that's when they start to nitpick and they start to take things out of context and they try and, you know, paint this picture. That's not really there. So him saying that they need to get more people involved as true as that may be, because they do need to get more people involved. You don't say those things out to the media, you keep those things in-house, you, you know, talk to your, talk to your guys, be like, Hey, we got to get the ball moving. we got to do this and that, blah, blah, blah. And then you let the media pick up on the fact the next game that, Oh snap, last game, they didn't have the ball moving this game. They do and they're getting more players involved. So yeah, you don't want to say those things out loud. You want to kind of keep that in-house with the team only and then come out next game and then just execute. So, And that's more of a, I mean, if you say something like that, that's kind of
0: more of like a regular season thing. Like that's not something you say in the middle of a playoff series. Like you can afford yeah. to get away with that in the regular season, you know, deal with it from the media or whatever. But you don't, especially, I felt like part of the reason people were upset too was because, you know, he doesn't really have the leverage at this point to be like a voice in that. Like he's still a rookie and he's still learning. So I felt like par- partially it was also like, look, dude, like, you know, get your wings first and then you can fly a little bit. But, yeah. you know, don't just come out here saying things and acting like you're, you know, one of the one of the centerpieces already for the Nuggets. Maybe at some point, but, you know, so, but the reason I bring that up too is because last night he basically was the one that sealed the game too with yeah. that three. Uh, and I that block. Under like a minute left, yes. And then the block too, which was, you know, I guess Mike Malone was more inclined to play him this game because... The dude only shot one for three. Like, he, he didn't have a great scoring night. But the knock on him is that he doesn't bring it defensively. And he brought it defensively pretty much the whole night. And so that was a big step for him and plus to get the, the clutch shot. So, you know, I'm hoping everything is good between his teammates and the coach. But, you know, hopefully he learned his, his lesson too. But last night he said he, he stands by what he said still. So, I don't know. Hey, I, I, mean, I, guess
1: to, I guess to each his own. But, you know. That's fine with me. Double down on it. I mean, you said it. And it worked. You got more people involved, and it worked, and y'all won. So. Right, yeah.
0: And you don't need to be touching the ball to, the whole game to have an impact. You know, you went one for three last night, and you had the, pretty much the shot that sealed the game. So, you know, take that to the bank and, and be proud of what you did in that. hmm Yes, sir. All right, last so – wait, so uh,
1: do we think the Clippers are going to close it out next game, or do we think this is oh. going to go seven games? Yeah, they're going to close it out. I mean, Kawhi Leonard went on, he had like 30-something points. And when, and when Kawhi and Paul George are having a night like that, I don't put it past, like, Pat Bev and Lou Will and all those role-player type of guys to, like, see that next game and be like, okay, we need to step it up. Even though Pat Bev was going off this last game. Just do the same thing again. Literally, just get Lou Will to put the ball in a basket more and you win. That's it. You Everybody do the same thing. Yeah. Get Lou Will involved and get him on fire and y'all are good.
0: Agree. I think they close it out next game and we'll be seeing them in, in the, uh, in the conference finals, but that's when they really got to lock it in. It's no more playing around at that point. We need playoff uh, P playoff P baby. Paul Millsap. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, okay. We got the Rockets and Lakers, the pocket Rockets versus the Monstars. So yeah, this is a uh, Wayne. I don't want to get on my soapbox. I mean, we know I'm a Rockets fan here. And if you're on YouTube, you know, we got my boy Elijah one in the background. I think they really need his help at this point because they're down 3-1 and it doesn't look very good at the moment. Listen, we talked about this last week. We were even on the podcast as the first game was going on. Rockets had the lead. We were like, oh, Rockets, you know, they're doing pretty good. And I said, you know what? Lakers, they gave up the first game against the Blazers, too, and then they won four in a row. It looks like we're about to see that, too, Wayne. <laughs>
1: <laughs> man, it's that gentleman's sweep, bro. I was telling you, man. They let you, they let you think you're good. And then they're just like, all right, and now we turn it up. Yeah. So, yeah. The most infuriating
0: part, too, is there's, always, there's like a new thing to be frustrated about each game. It was like game two or three. Uh, Russell Westbrook looked like somebody didn't give him the juice at halftime, you know, the MJ <laughs> juice and Space Jam. And he just oh, like the lost Michael the Secret stuff. The, the powers were stripped from him at some point because he looked like a bobblehead out there every time he tried to, to, to handle the ball. So I don't really know what happened to him. He had a couple of bounce back games, but I I just don't really think he's playing to his strengths. Like with Russ, I think you want him to kind of play from the post, you know, like get inside, dominate or pass from the post and get other people involved. Like you might make a couple threes, but we really don't need you out there. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and with Harden, you know, his last game shot two for 11. Here's the fresh, here's the frustrating thing about Harden. And I don't know if it's him or if it's the system, maybe you can help me out, but every time, Harden comes and gets doubled. He passes out from the double, which is what he should do, right? You're not going to just shoot it up when somebody comes and doubles you, but he passes the ball away, but there is no off ball action with him. It's simply get the ball away, let somebody else execute. And those guys really don't know how to do that because their system's not set up that way. So why not if you're James Harden? And again, I don't know if this is a directive from the coach or this is just his own weaknesses, but why not? cut off ball. Like, this is what the Lakers are doing really well. They're moving the ball and they're they're ball watching when LeBron has the ball. They're, they're keying in on him and he's getting all these role players getting backdoor cuts like Kyle Kuzma and Alex Caruso and Morris and all these guys. And that's really how they're getting beat. But the Rockets, I feel like, need to also implement something like that rather than just simply saying, we're going to shoot the three ball and we're going to, you know, get to the foul line. But what happens if those two things aren't working? Because if those two things aren't working, you're pretty much in the hole like we see them right now.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like you said, like the, the backdoor cuts, the constant moving from the Lakers is what's really taking the Rockets off their game. Um, and I wanted to bring this up. Like when, when you're not moving on offense, you're not making those off ball cuts it makes playing defense a lot easier because if I'm guarding you or if I'm in, if you're in my zone or whatever, and I know you're not going to move, I can then go do something else. Cause I know I can at least come back to this spot. Cause you're not going to move. You're not going to do anything. Right. So you're making it easier on the defense to be able to drop down and cover somebody else and double team somebody else. Cause they know he's going to have to get the ball off and he's going to get it off to you. Cause you haven't moved. Like if you're not moving and cutting and constantly in that rotation, you're making it so much easier. So, yeah, the, the Rockets got to figure out a way to just – and it goes against everything that Dan Tony loves because he wants to shoot the three and then get back on defense. That's what he wants. But he's going to have to, like, find ways to exploit that middle ground, that area, and get people – and get guys running in and out and get those guys not to just sit on the three-point line but to move and slash. Like, Eric Gordon, he's a slasher. That dude can slash really good. And, and I didn't can, even – He can, see can get to coming. the bucket
0: and he's a, he's a bowling ball
1: yeah and like it's like a a part of his game that he developed over time because before he was just you know i'm gonna shoot the three and get back on defense now he's like look i can slash i can do whatever they gotta get on his level or on his mindset at least and be able to you know think okay what can i do to help james out if i'm over here and let me move set a screen roll like do something there's, there.
0: there's got to be more in, in a playoff series than, than what you did during the regular season. Like it just, it doesn't work. And yeah, I don't know. There's just not a lot of hope at this point. I think what will happen honestly is kind of the same thing that happened in the Nuggets Clippers series. We're probably going to see the Rockets, you know, take game five and people are going to be like, Ooh, this is getting interesting. But then the Lakers are going to take it in game six, which I, I think we both had the Lakers in six for the series. So if, if it turned out that way, we would, we would both be right. But you know, it doesn't look great for the Rockets. Plus, you add this Daniel, Daniel House situation. <laughs> I mean, my God, man. Like, yo, what is going on here? Like, yo. Okay, I like, like, let's get real just for a second. You take these guys away from, you know, their families and their social life and everything for three-plus months. And I guess that got to Daniel House because he's sneaking in females, you know, through security, the borders, and all this stuff just to get, you know, someone into his room. You know what, the sad situation about this, Wayne, and, and just on a on a real level right here, I think he has a wife, too. I think he has a wife and kids, and I saw a report that, like, his wife deleted all their pictures of, you know, them two on Instagram, so that's got to be really, that's pretty sad. I don't know. Just on a real level, like, it sucks for the Rockets, obviously, but, you know, I care about that, you know, more than a, a team win, so... Yeah, that's a another added level to this whole situation. Wait, wait,
1: hold up. So he has a wife and kids.
0: That's what I saw. That I, I saw it from you know one one source on, on social media, which could obviously okay. be incorrect. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. you know, if, if that is the case, that really sucks. And and honestly, like you look at D- Daniel House Jr. and you're like, okay, he's not the most formidable name on the rockets. He's not gonna affect them that much, but he does do a lot. He can knock down the three ball. He brings that grit. He brings the energy to that team. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing that it does the most for the Rockets is maybe it's just kind of deflating. You know, all the news centered around them is not even a part of their play, but because one of your players snuck a female into his room, like that's
1: got to yeah. be deflating, right? Yeah. Yo, that's if it's true that he has a wife and kids and all that good stuff, first off, weren't, aren't you allowed to invite people to the bubble? I could have invited them to the bubble and then problems, problem solved. But look, that's to each his own Daniel house. If you're listening, look, bro, no judgment. We don't cast aspersions on this pod, bro. Three and D. We keep it true, man. You, we understand you messed up. It's cool, bro. Just go hey, handle your business, man. Wish
0: you all the best, man. We don't, we don't wish anybody's relationship to be uh, broken. I, b- I believe in mending so uh yeah. make, make better, better choices please make but better choices. you know b- besides all that Wayne I-, I know you had some thoughts on this you kind of thought it was funny so just give me your thoughts real quick on
1: this whole <laughs> Daniel House situation <laughs> Daniel House bro because for the Rockets if it's not one thing it's another man that was like my main thing like if it's not their style of play or what they're doing on the court it's something off the court that's going to get the Rockets like nah just the good old Rockets something always has to happen you know and so for like a while, even in the Thunder series, when it was like game seven and they brought in Scott Foster to, to ref the game and we're like, you know what? If the Rockets aren't going to shoot themselves into the hole, Scott Foster's is going to put them there. And then, you know, they overcame that. And so in this series, it's like, oh, snap, they got to play LeBron. They got to play AD. They got to play blah, 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 blah. And it's like, well, if it's not, you know, LeBron James dunking on the whole franchise, shout out my, my homie Caleb. If it's not LeBron James dunking on the whole franchise, it's daniel house jr trying to you know play super smash bros in his in his room you know (laughs) man brought his nintendo switch and he was like hey i got smash bros let's go play i'm so glad (laughs) you're
0: saying this and i'm not
1: (laughs) dude like bro that was the first thing i thought i was like oh
0: i'm literally sweating right
1: now super smash ain't worth it bro i'm sorry (laughs) not. <laughs> okay let's let's move on oh lord
0: forgive us okay uh, <laughs> obviously not the most ideal situation for the Rockets but uh <laughs> we'll we'll see what happens I mean we're, we're gonna see the Lakers and the Clippers in the conference finals right
1: yes it's LA man yeah, yeah. Lakers, okay LA.
0: Uh, So we'll we'll make predictions beyond that point when something more definitive happens. We're not going to, we're not going to make predictions quite yet because we've seen three, one leads get dispersed in the past. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll just hold our tongues for now, but we're pretty sure it's going to be the Lakers and the Clippers. Okay. Let's move on just to some coaching things, Wayne. Uh, The first, first things, first Billy Donovan and the OKC Thunder decided to mutually part ways uh, what is, what does this mean for that organization? And, and, and I guess what they're planning
1: to do this off season. Um, I don't know. I really, cause there was speculation that, you know, CP3 might be on the move to Milwaukee to go help out Giannis or, um, I don't know the, the thunder. Of course they need to make moves because they were close. They were close and, In my opinion, if I'm making any moves or if I'm moving anybody like after Billy Donovan leaves, we got to find somewhere for Steven Adams to go. Like, if that's just me. Because if I'm watching that series against the Rockets, Steven Adams was like a non-factor, especially in game seven. Like he just looked like he didn't want to be there, you know, like he was just moving really slow, couldn't get rebounds, like was getting out rebounded by P.J. Tucker, which don't get me wrong. P.J. Tucker is nice on defense. He's real nice. But Steven Adams is like, what, seven-something or almost seven foot?
0: And we always allude to Steven Adams being the, you know, kind of like the toughest guy in the NBA.
1: Yeah. And he was out there just getting bullied by some six, seven, six, eight guys. Uh, And and the one thing that that threw it for me was (laughs) I was watching the game with my brother Brandon, shout-out Brandon, and he's a Thunder fan. Loves the Thunder. But Russell Westbrook is his favorite player, period. Um, But he loves the Thunder. He can have him back. (laughs) We'll just return to sender, get the the receipts, and send him back, please.
0: uh, We'll take CP back, you know. Yeah.
1: Um, And there was a move. Like, Steven Adams had the ball in the post. And Brandon was, like, watching the game. He was, like, just hook, hook, drop, step, and dunk. That's all you got to do. Because I think he's getting guarded by James Harden. And all he had to do was turn to the open area and literally take one step and dunk the ball or lay the ball up because there was nobody there. They were giving it to him. And what does Steven Adams do? He turns into, like, three defenders and tries to put up a hook shot, and, of course, he misses. And that really solidified for me. Steven Adams doesn't have that offensive skill set because he never had to develop it because he always played with Russ. Right. You know, he didn't have to have an offense. He just had to get the ball to Russ and let him work. It's so, kind of like putting a, a square peg in a round hole. Yeah, and then so with CP3 coming in, like CP3 demands the best out of everybody. Like when he's on the court, he wants your best, but Stephen Adams could not give CP3 his best in that series, and so if anybody's got to go after Billy Donovan, you know, they mutually parted ways, it's got to be Steve. They got to get somebody in there who can fill those shoes and be a scorer on the offense, as well as play defense as well as steven adams did but not in that series because steven adams looked a little bit eh. so yeah that's my thing for the thunder
0: i would think this is maybe the first big domino to fall like i think they're probably buying into the youth movement at this point they've had billy donovan for five years and hey give credit to him too because let's let's think about this he had kd and russ right before KD left so he had to manage that then he had to go to just Russ then he had to go to Russ and Paul George and then he had to go to this basically youth movement with a few veterans and you know he's held up pretty well and that's just not good for a a coach to set him up for success when there's all that movement so I I personally hope he gets another chance in the NBA somewhere else because you know I think he needs a, a, a situation that's a bit more stable than the one he experienced with the Thunder but I do think this is kind of the first Big domino to fall. I feel like we'll see those big names like Steven Adams and more veteran names. You know, I think Gallinari a free agent, so he probably won't sign back there. But there's Steven Adams, CP3. And then to really, you know, maybe even move uh, Schroeder too, but really buy into Shea Gilgis uh, kind of as one of your big centerpieces. And, and I guess – you know, start to go the, the youth path. So uh, yeah. best of luck to Billy Donovan and the OKC Thunder. And in, and in other coaching news, also the Brooklyn Nets, kind of the, hey. the pick from left field. Nobody saw this, Wayne, but the boy, Steve Nash, the two-time MVP, uh, the, the guy who played this with the seven seconds or less Phoenix Suns, uh, Steve Nash has picked up the head coaching job for the Brooklyn Nets. What were your thoughts on this? That boy,
1: Steve Nashy is in the building, baby. Nashy, I love that. Dude, so for those of you who don't know, Steve Nash is my favorite player of all time. Like, that dude. Is he really? Yes, Steve Nash. Period. How come I and, didn't know this? I don't know. I don't really know. I tell thought it, you like, were like,
0: you know, Kawhi Leonard, Tim Duncan.
1: Or... Well, right now, Kawhi Leonard is my favorite player, like in the NBA. But in the past, it was Steve Nash. It was Steve Nash, man. Okay. I love watching Steve Nash play. So, For me, whenever I saw that he was getting, like, first of all, the Nets did a fantastic job of keeping this under the utmost wraps because
0: yo, for for the longest
1: time, we were like, is Greg Popovich going to be the coach of the Nets? Because, you know, he might be on his way out and he might want to just ride off into the sunset and coach Kyrie and KD and all those guys and just kind of coast to another ring maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, Especially in today's news cycle too. Like, it seems like we always know what's going to happen even before it happens. Yeah. And then the Brooklyn Nets were like, "Nah, he was talking to him behind the scenes. Y'all just wasn't looking." And so, bro, they brought in Steve Nash. I, I I was so hyped when I like I got that Bleacher Report notification and I was like, "Hold the phone. Steve Nash got the job? Hey, let's get it." Cuz I thought Steve Nash was just doing his thing, you know, playing soccer and doing whatever he liked to do. Um but then I saw him, "Oh, he wants a coach." Cool. Now, I don't think that's going to be like an immediate turnaround because you know you still got to get Kyrie and KD to be on the floor at the same time and get those guys going with the team and see how that works out but who better to do that than a man who Steve Nash I'm just I have no worries man yeah I love quite, Steve Nash. quite a few connections
0: here too I mean I guess in the past few years he was one of the player development coaches over in uh, Golden State like he worked with Kevin Durant quite a lot uh, so I guess you know Katie put his signature on this one too to kind of say like, yeah, I'd love to have Steve Nash over here, and I then, hated. and then also, you know, there's been I guess a lot of lashback and uh, some encouragement with this, but he has no coaching experience. I mean, he's never done this, and he's put into a championship team, or at least the expectation is that to basically say, here's the keys, go. And he was falling under the leadership of Steve Kerr these past few years who also, you know, was a TV analyst and a player and stepped right into a head coaching job and, you know, has won three titles. So you don't know if that's actually going to be the case for Steve Nash, but I guess one part of it is you could say, you know, there's more formidable, formidable coaches and guys with experience who could have taken this instead of him, or you could say, well, it's worked for, you know, other guys like i I think it happened for doc rivers a a long while back as well but basically to not have even assistant coaching experience or anything and to just say hey here's the keys so i hope it works out for him but uh we'll see how it goes he's got definitely a lot uh to deal with in his first coaching run because i mean the expectation on the nets is with katie coming back next year is is
1: championship mode yeah i'm i'm excited to see how he handles like of course, you got to handle their skill and handle, you know, the, the right rotations and all that stuff. But I'm excited to see how he handles, like, the personalities. Because you got Kyrie and you got KD, who have, like, two of the biggest personalities in the NBA, period. It's a lot so, to handle. Yeah, it, it is a lot to handle. It's like I mean, me and you. Like, we're I'm, a lot to
0: handle. You don't want to put us two in the
1: same room. Like, it's a lot no, to handle. It's no, it's 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 getting, it's getting crazy. No. <laughs> but um, I'm excited to see how he does that. I mean, if he's been learning from, like, Steve Kerr and all that, he should be fine because Steve Curry, dude, dude is, like, up there as far as coaches go. Yeah. I mean, to be put in that situation and to produce like he has meant. So, I think yeah. it's going to be fine. It might take him a couple of years to kind of get – uh I, I know they'll make the playoffs, but it might take him a couple of years to get to that, like, okay, and now we here, we done arrived, it's time to show him what we got. So,
0: Congrats, Steve Nashty. Congrats, Steve Nashty. I, yes, I love sir. that, by the way. I've never heard Steve Nashty. I, I like that a lot.
1: Yes, sir.
0: Uh, okay, so that's going to do it for today's episode. Make sure that you guys follow us on Twitter at 3 pod. If you're listening on iTunes, don't forget to give us that five star review and wait, five star rating and a review. Mm-hmm. And then if you see us on YouTube, make sure you like and subscribe. And here's a challenge for you this week. If you're a active listener, I want you to do something. I want you to do something for us. I want you to pass this episode along to two people. That's the challenge. Give it to two people. Do I have a prize for this? No. But I want <laughs> you to pass it along to two people because uh, we, we'd, we'd love some more, uh, some more listeners to, to kind of get involved with, with what we're doing. So appreciate you guys listening. Wayne, how about instead of advice this week you give us your a go to meal for people that they can cook in less than fifteen minutes That's really good this week
1: ooh a go to meal you can cook in less than fifteen minutes. ooh, I got it I got it you gotta be efficient though okay it's gonna this might be like right at fifteen minutes but if you do it right it's gonna be nice. French toast bro get you some french toast you gotta get your eggs get your get your cinnamon get your Get your toast, of course. Get your little pan that you can dip the, the toast in before you put. Listen, I, if I can remember the recipe, I will post it, bro. You can do this in under 15 minutes, and it is going to come out gloriously. Mm. I'm telling you, gloriously. Probably one of the more messy
0: meals, but I guess you could get it cooked in under 15 minutes. You just got to be prepared to, to clean up afterwards. Dude, it'll be
1: worth it. Guaranteed.
0: All right, just like Wayne cooks up his egos or his uh, waffles or whatever French toast (laughs) we have cooked up this episode and we are looking forward to more basketball within the next week. Thanks for joining us y'all. Peace.